0: Well, good morning. It's a beautiful day out today, isn't it? Um, you'd be in prayer for those that aren't aren't here today. Um, I know we're missing quite a few. Um, in fact, why don't why don't we go ahead and pray now? Lord, thank you for blessing us with another day. Thank you for the time that we get to come to your house and. And spend together in fellowship and in worshiping you, um, Lord. You are so worthy of all of our praise and our worship, uh, Lord. We want to pray for those that aren't here today for whatever reasons they are were able, unable to make it. Um, Lord, we just want to lift them up in prayer and ask that you be with them and and um, want to just just thank you for your word, Lord, that we're about to to study and, and get into today. Uh, Lord, this is something that we live by, and we love you for it. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us today. Let these words be yours and not mine. Lord, speak to us as your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Almost every day on my way to work, I have the song, Washed in the Blood. Are you washed? In... I have It's on loop in my head going to work every day. I I don't know why. I don't know if it it was just, it it always has, for the past couple months, it's strange. Every single day, I get in my truck, and I'm driving to work, and I don't have the radio on or anything. I just hear that on loop in my head, and I, I just, except this week, it was different. This week, I had He Lives in my head. This is the first song other than Washed in the Blood that I've had. Running through my head, and it was all week, and I just felt like, well, maybe this is God laying this song on my this hymn on my heart. so I'm going to shake things up a little bit, um, and I'm going to preach out of your hymnal today. Uh, so if you have your hymnal, you can turn to hymn four thirty eight you will find. He lives. Hymn 438. 438. He lives. Now I'm going to try and read this without singing. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. Try and hear the words. I see his hand of mercy. I see his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. In the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ, the King. The hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. I, I had that on loop in my head. And we're going to get into it in a little bit. But it, as I'm singing it in my head, I don't think I ever heard the words. I, I listened to them, but I don't know if I heard the words and truly listened to each word and understood what the hymnist was talking about. So I want to break down each of these, are they stanzas? Is that what it is, a stanza? I'm not a musician, I I, I call them paragraphs, but I, I was, I'm pretty sure that's not what, what they're called. So stanzas, let's look at the very first stanza, he says, I serve a risen savior He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. Now, coming out of Easter, this should sound awfully familiar. Right? He's, he's talking about a risen Savior. Where the, Christianity is, is the only religion that has a Savior that has died and risen. Right? So he's talking about... Jesus Christ the risen Savior and he's saying he is in the world today he's saying I can see him all around us in the world today we see that in Romans God says that we are without excuse we should be able to look around and see in the mountains in the birds in the animals in people we should be able to see his mighty works and see him in the world today Um, Alfred, uh, Ackley, I believe is how his name is, uh, pronounced, is it, uh, he's celebrating what we know for Easter here. When, when we, we talked about, in fact, we talked about it last week when we, when we talked about the two Marys going to the, to the tomb, right? Um. Uh, and they were talking to each other about the problems that they felt they were going to run into. They, they talked about uh, three problems. They talked about the stone, the seal, and the guards. The problem with the stone was it was going to be too big for them to move out of the way. Right? And then on the stone there was a seal. There was a Roman seal. And this seal was not meant to be broken. It said that Rome had the authority, it was Rome's authority that this will stay sealed. And if you were caught breaking that seal, you would be sentenced to death. The other thing that they found was, they, they worried about was the guards. The guards were there to protect the tomb from anybody trying to mess with The opening to mess with Jesus, to get Jesus body out, because that's what the Jews or the Pharisees were worried about, was that if something would happen to the body, it would give uh, credence or you would give uh, power to what Jesus had said. And that's the last thing that they wanted. And I asked you, aren't you glad that we serve a God who knows our needs before we ever know there's an issue? A God that has the power to move any obstacle, who has authority over all authority, and won't let any man stand in the way of his will. So that first stanza, when I see it, when I read it, when I look at it, I see Easter. And since we preached all last week, and really the week before on Easter, I don't want to uh, uh, I don't want to dive too deeply into that because there's, there's other uh, stanzas here that I really want to dive in and take a closer look at. The second stanza says, In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. And I, I, probably half of you, when you hear that, think the same, uh, story that I thought of when, when the disciples were all on the boat and there was that terrible storm and Jesus is there sleeping. Uh, so I want to, I want to recount that for us. If you'll turn in your Bibles to, uh, Matthew chapter eight, we're only going to read four verses, verse 23 through 27. Matthew 8, 23 through 27, says, And when he was entered into the ship, this is Jesus, his disciples followed him. And behold, there was a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he, meaning Jesus, was asleep. And his disciples came to him, and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? We're going to face a lot of storms in our lives. Whether you're walking with Jesus or not, you're going to face storms in your life. I preached not long ago on the storms of life, um, and I read to you some writings from the great philosopher Randy Travis and many of the storms that he faced in his life. Everyone in here is in three positions in their life. They're either in a storm, going out of a storm, or about to enter a storm. So if there's peace and calm in your life right now, Watch out, because that just means you're on your way into a storm. by the way, our little church family is in a storm right now i mean we we look at everybody that's here we have bud, he had his heart condition and surgery um Paul in his eye as well as other. Um, ailments that he's having. Virginia in her foot. Loretta in her uh, chemo treatment and, and what she's going through. Vaughn lost her brother this week. I, I, we're, we're small and when you have that many people in your, your family, in your church family, in your body that are suffering, it's hard. It's hard to, to know that the people you care about and people you love and that you're close to are going through the things that they're going through. And that that's just four, five, or six that I listed. But we all have um, unspokens, right? We're all struggling in our lives at some points. And I think, especially when we have a church uh, of our size, we need to take the time to pray for each other individually. Um, anyway, I, I, I had that on my heart. I just feel like... Um, we 're struggling right now we 're in a storm, but what happens when you 're in a storm? Jesus leads you out All right so we 're um, we 'll be out of the storm and ready for another one so let 's take a look at uh what happened here in this passage now leading up to this, Jesus just performed uh, many miracles he performed a lot of miracles and he was gaining a lot of notoriety. A lot of people wanted to see what he was doing and, and, and the things that um, he had done. The, the, the Great multitudes, it said, were coming to him. And he doesn't want this attention. So he tells the disciples that they're going to get in the boat and go across the water to get away from them. As they're getting ready to leave, a man comes up and tells Jesus that he will follow him anywhere. And Jesus says um, something you're all... Familiar with, he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of God has nowhere to lay His head. Um, after this, one of His disciples says, "Before we leave, allow me to bury my father." And Jesus says, uh, "Follow Me," is what Jesus, He says. He asked Jesus if he could stay to bury his father, and Jesus says. Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. So that leads us into the passage we just read. And in verse 23, we find that the disciples do follow him. He tells them, follow me, and he gets in the boat, and the disciples get in the boat with him. This is just another example um, of just because you're following Jesus doesn't mean you aren't going to go through difficult times in your life. These disciples are following Jesus. They're listening to his word, and they're doing what he tells them. But we know where they're headed. They're headed into a storm. Now, verse 24, And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. I've been in a lot of boats. I've been in the boat in um, the Pacific Ocean, in the Atlantic Ocean. I've been in the Gulf. I've never been in a place where the waves were over the boat. I can't imagine how terrifying this would be. And they didn't have motorboats, right? They they didn't have something that they could just power through these things. They they were rowing. And to have this, this storm and these giant waves coming up over top of them. But... Jesus was asleep. We find that at the end of the verse. Jesus is asleep. Why is Jesus asleep? I believe it's because of his faith in the Father. See, the Father had made promises. Jesus was going to be the promised Lamb of God. And Jesus knew that for him to fulfill the prophecies... God's word would need to be carried out. And he knows that God does not break promises. I think this gives us, or should give us, some peace. When we know that God does not break his promises, Jesus was able to sleep through a storm. We should be able to take comfort in his promises. Notice something. He may have been asleep, but he was in the boat. He may have been asleep, but he was with them. Has it ever felt like God is asleep in your life? Like he didn't care about what was going on with you? Like he was ignoring the fear and troubles that you were facing? Look what the disciples do in verse 25. And his disciples came to him, awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. They cried out, save us, we perish. They did exactly what we're supposed to do. Remember in John 3.16, he says, Whosoever believeth in him should not, what? Have financial worries? Have any troubles? Never become sick? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. These disciples believed in him. They knew that he had the power. He was the only one that had the power to save them, to rescue them from perishing. Verse 26, um, the second half of verse 26, then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. He calmed the seas and the wind. He heard their pleas because they came to him with sincere hearts. They thought they were going to die, and they knew in their hearts that he was the only one with the power to save them. And it's the same for you and me. We need to recognize that Jesus is the only one that is able to save us from perishing. Now, the first stanza actually talked about, Serving a Risen Savior and uh, how he's in the world today. In the second stanza, He writes about storms uh, that we're all going to face, and that we should follow Him anyway, and that we will that He will come through for us. And now we're going to take a look at praising God. Keep that in mind. Praising God as I read the third stanza. Rejoice. Rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. When I read this, I, I, I read praise. Right First he's talking about how Jesus was was a risen Savior. Then he starts talking about how the hard times are going to come in our lives. Now he's talking about how we need to praise him through it. Psalm uh, 54, verse 6 says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Praise is a sacrifice. Praise is putting yourself aside. It's saying, I'm not worried about the things that I want. I'm not worried about my needs. I'm not worried about anything other than God. That's where my focus is. That's your praise. That's the sacrifice that you are giving. You're giving your praise to him. This verse tells us that we're to give praise freely. It should be something you want to do. Have you ever been to a church where the preacher says, give give God a round of applause. And then he says, y'all can do better than that. We can do better than that. Give God. He doesn't want you to have to pull it out of people. This should be something that is freely given. This should be something that's on our hearts to want to praise God. He doesn't want sympathy claps. He doesn't want sympathy praise. He wants praise to be on your heart and he wants to hear it. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast thou hast third time's the charm thou hast Created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Maybe you have days when you don't feel so much like praising God, but that doesn't matter. Look at what the verse says. At the very end it says, i got to read that word again. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created for his pleasure. And what does it say? He is worthy of receiving glory and honor. Praise him because that's your purpose in life. That's why you were created. When somebody says, what's the purpose of life? What's the, is that what it is? What's the purpose of life? The meaning of life is to praise God. That's why we were created. That's why we were created. I know what you're thinking. What are some other reasons I should praise him? Well, I'm glad you asked. First of all, he's worthy. Psalm 18 verse three says, "I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised." Second, uh, he lives in our praises. Psalm 22:3 says, "But thou art holy." O oh, thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Inhabit means to live in. So David is telling us that God lives within our praises. Do You want to know if God's going to be with you throughout the day? Wake up with a praise on your lips. Praise him early in the morning and throughout the day if you want to know that he is with you. Because he lives within praises. Third, he has done mighty acts. Verse uh, uh, or Psalm 150, verse 2, uh, says, actually, the whole Psalm 150 is all about praise. But verse 2 says, Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him for his mighty acts. Everyone in here has an example of a mighty act God has done in their lives. Healing uh, you or someone in your family when doctors said there wasn't anything they could do. You all know someone like that. I don't know how many times we've received a check in the mail from somebody we didn't even know owed us money. And at times just when we needed it. Am I right? Getting that job when you know that there were others more qualified than you. God has done mighty works in your life. Finally, look look at Psalm 150, verse 6. I I love this verse. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Every breath you take is a blessing. God allowed you to take that breath. He allowed you to wake up this morning. And as long as you have air in your lungs... You should be praising God because he can take it away at any moment. Finally, I want to take a look at the chorus. It's called the chorus, right? That's the one you sing over and over? All right. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives Salvation to impart. Listen to this. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. This speaks to me about witnessing. Telling others about Jesus. How he is in the world today. How he walks with me. And he talks with me. You want to know how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. I don't know about you. But that, that just, it stands out to me. Just that, that, that one question. is the only question in the hymn. You ask me how I know he lives. I want to read Acts 4, verse 13. Acts 4, verse 13. says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John were sharing the gospel. They were witnessing. What jumps off the page of me here is that they were perceived as ignorant men. Now Peter and John were both fishermen. I don't know how much uh, schooling they had, if any. What I do know is is that it was, they made it obvious to those around him that they had been with Jesus. It doesn't matter how much education you have, how many books you've read, how many degrees you have hanging on the wall. None of those matter when it comes to telling someone about Jesus. You don't have to be a doctor. To tell someone how God healed you. You don't have to be a lawyer to tell someone how God got you out of some stuff you shouldn't have been in. You don't have to be a mathematician to tell someone how Jesus allowed you to make ends meet where there shouldn't have been enough money in the bank. You don't have to be an optometrist to tell someone how God has given you a new outlook on life. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to tell someone of the unspeakable joy that God has brought into your life that's better than any pill man can make. You don't have to be a meteorologist to tell someone about the storms God has helped you weather. Just tell someone about what he has done in your life. This is the last thing, um, and then we'll get out of here. This song, He Lives, is a song that most of us know. Uh, when you hear it, you probably start singing along just out of uh, habit, right? Just, it's just like an instinct, like blinking. You hear it, you just, you just start singing along to it. You don't even need to look in the hymnal, right? You don't need to look. You know the words. Um, it comes out without even having to think about it. Don't let your walk with God become something you don't have to think about. Don't just go through the motions. He deserves so much more than that. Yeah, you know, I heard I heard somebody talking about how um he, I think his services were, were ninety minutes a week. We 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 do sixty. But he, he was saying Anything else in life, if if you only gave 90 minutes, or in our case, 60 minutes to, it wouldn't work out. If you only gave 60 minutes a week to your education, you wouldn't be very educated. If you only gave 60 minutes a week to your job, you would be unemployed. If you only gave 60 minutes a week to your marriage, I don't even want to go there. (laughs) If you gave 60 minutes a week to your marriage, you would be a lonely person. So why do we feel like giving God 60 minutes of our week is enough? It's not. I, I don't want this to be something where we just come into church, check that off the list. A lot of people think Sunday is the end of the week. Oh boy, I gotta get, I gotta get in my Jesus by the end of the week, get my 60 minutes in. That's not the case. Sunday is the beginning of the week. This is the springboard that leads us into our week of worship. We should be praising him all throughout the week and then coming back on Sundays to be together and just rejuvenate and get ready for the next week. 60 minutes is not enough. I know some of you are like, well, you just went over, so. But <laughs> we need more Jesus in our lives. He deserves our praise. He deserves to have us tell others about him. And I would encourage us as we go out this week to do just that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank thank you for uh, your word. Um, thank you for Mr. Ackley and, and the hymn that he writ- has written about you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that As we go out this week uh, into the world, that you would put someone in front of us that needs to hear your story. That he needs to hear our story. That needs to hear what you've done in our lives. Lord, we know that we're going to face storms in our life. But as long as we continue to look to you and put our faith and love and trust in you, you will be with us throughout. Lord, protect us as we go out this week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.